ladies and gentlemen, we're just moments away. That's the biggest night in the history of this great organization. Are you ready? No, I said, are you ready? Hey, yo. Smart marks. What's a smart mark? A mark with a high IQ. Back in town, and we ain't in town to mess around. To be the man, you gotta beat the man, and I'm saying, whoo, right here, I'm the man. That's hard time. Yeah. And what they're gonna do when Hulkamania in the largest part of the world runs wild on you? Rest in peace. You just made the list! It's heating up here! There's a slop drop! I'm the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. If you're the man, what the rock is cooking! Welcome back to the Slop Drop. This is Nathan Rogers at Whoopig Sumo on Twitter, joined by the co-host, the Loose Cannon, David McBee. I am so pumped for this week, man, because we we don't have just one pro wrestler joining us uh, with Niles Ponkay, but hey, Hardy Mania is running wild again, brother. I'm pumped, brother. Boys, let's call it in the ring tonight. We got some things to talk about. All right, let's kick it off with Raw. We had a elimination match a mixed tag team elimination match with seth rollins and becky lynch defeated andrade and zelina vega i guess it's survivor series for couples that are dating i don't get the concept and just like everybody else i'm sick of their relationship anyway paul Heyman cuts a promo teasing the brock lesnar cash in at uh, extreme rules what do y'all think think you'll cash in you're here i'm here let's do this! I, I don't think Extreme Rules is the one. I think it's going to be SummerSlam. I think that's when he's definitely going to catch in. But uh, you actually, Sumo, the other day, you had a pretty good scenario that could possibly lead to him cashing in. Well, I, I hope so. Uh, what I, I hope that at Extreme Rules, and we'll, we'll touch on this match a little bit later. In the, I think it would be great if Baron Corbin pinned Becky Lynch. Can you imagine the heat he would get from that? And then immediately Brock Lesnar cashes in and uh, pins Baron Corbin for the title. Okay, I'll double down that, and I got one better for you. Is Baron Corbin uh, – who all's in the match? Uh, Baron and Lacey versus Seth and Becky. All right, so Lacey pins Seth, and then Brock Lesnar comes out. That that would probably be even better because that would mean Baron would win the title and did nothing to earn it, which would give him some more heat. So I like that idea. There you go. We then have another two out of three falls match between the Miz and the Usos, who defeated Elias and the Revival. Uh, I don't know about y'all, but I'm tired of all these two out of three falls matches. Well, especially if it's a two out of three falls match that goes less than 10 minutes. I mean, 
I'm used to those two out of three fall matches where they really tell a story. To me, there's so many quick pins in here that's really uh, – it's been hard to really get in those matches. I agree, and the two out of three falls concept doesn't really work for standard television. It works even less for tag teams. If you want best two out of three falls, you need it on a pay-per-view, and you need Ravishing Recruit and Ricky Steamboat. If that's not the setup, I don't care to watch it. Drake Maverick and his wife, Renee Michelle, argue about the 24-7 championship, how it's ruining their marriage, which brings out the 24-7 roll-up division. Uh, Ray Mysterio comes out, announces his return, and issued an open challenge. Bobby Lashley then come out and squashes Mysterio. Of course, Lashley and Strowman at Extreme Rules this weekend in a last-man-standing match. Well, Raw, I mean, you know, we had such a great Raw last week, you know, Paul Heyman coming in. But this first 45 minutes, I thought actually the, the, the hour one started off a little slow. And that whole thing, and I, you know, earlier we were talking about the Becky Lynch, Seth Rollins thing. I saw a video this week that about made me puke online. It was them recreating the end of the movie Dirty Dancing where nobody puts Becky in the corner. He runs up and he gives her the lift. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. What has happened to my professional wrestling? Hey, who knows? After Brock Lesnar squashes him, maybe uh, Seth and Becky will do the um, the pottery scene from Ghost. Maybe Sable will come out, too. <laughs> uh, Street Profits hanging out backstage talking about various things. Um, the no action from them yet. Still the NXT tag champs. Not sure what the plans are for them. Cesaro defeats No Way Jose. The Viking Raiders squashed Devin and Colin Justin. And after the match, again, the 24-7 roll-up division runs out and into the ring. Real, real quick, going back, the No Way Jose-Cesaro match. Of course, Cesaro won in two minutes. Of course, at one time, Heyman was with Cesaro. So I'm really starting to wonder, is Heyman maybe getting behind Cesaro for a, a, a some type of singles push? Uh, if he does, I would love it because I think Cesaro is so talented and I think he could be a main eventer rather than being, you know, the mid-card wrestler that he's been the last couple I of years. I agree 100%. I agree as well. And his clock's ticking as time's running out. I, I wish they would hurry up and give him a push. Very talented. Uh, Ricochet defeats Luke Gallows after the match. AJ Styles uh, challenges Ricochet to take on Carl Anderson, whom Ricochet also defeated. After that match, the club attacks Ricochet. Really digging the club reunion. Really digging the heel turn. What do you guys think about this match? Well, Ricochet winning in two minutes. I mean, are you serious? I mean, I think, you know, with the with everything that happened after that, you know, after the last commercial break, you knew, hey, there wasn't that much time left for another commercial break. So, you know, you kind of knew, hey, they're probably going to stop it quick. But to me, it was gimmicky. Yeah, I agree. Now, you're right about the actual uh, reunion of the, the club being intriguing and everything. I'm all about it, and I'm all about AJ and Ricochet's feud, and I look forward to seeing it on some pay-per-view stuff. But, uh, yeah, the, the segment was basically not really uh, what it should have been. And then you have, you know, Ricochet ends up beating Carl Anderson. To me, I think that makes the Good Brothers look weak. You want to make them, especially, you know, how they were in Japan is unstoppable – and then you're having them lose in two minutes and three minutes each time. To me, I thought that kind of made them exactly. look weak. And to be honest, taking a good beatdown is not going to hurt Ricochet at all. It's only going to make him look 
more vulnerable and sympathetic, and the fans are ultimately going to get behind him. That's the classic role of a babyface wrestler, and they're really kind of missing the point. Have a beat-the-clock challenge between Bailey and Nikki Cross. Cross ends up with a better time uh, than what Bailey did, and she got to choose a stipulation for Bailey and Alexa's match at Extreme Rules. She chose a two-on-one handicap match, Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss versus Bailey at Extreme Rules. And you know what the best part of the Bailey Sarah Logan match was? The crowd starting to chant CM Punk. Uh, I wonder what uh, Vince McMahon thought about that. <clears throat> I don't know, but I, I like Sarah Logan. She, you know, I, I kind of watched some stuff of hers before she got into the WWE. Uh, she's married to one of the uh, Viking Raiders. Now that there's no more Riot Squad, I wish they'd give her a singles push. We see Maria Canellis backstage acting all crazy because she's pregnant. Uh, throughout the show, Sweaty McMahon looks for a mystery partner to team up with Roman Reigns against himself and Drew McIntyre. They eventually settle on a guy, Gary the Goat something, which was a janitor backstage, and offered to pay him five grand, and for some reason put a mask on him. Uh, later on in this match, Drew McIntyre and Shane McMahon defeated Roman Reigns and the masked janitor who ended up to be Cedric Alexander. Um, you know, Cedric is great. We haven't seen him on TV in a while. He needs TV time. But this made no sense to me. Why just throw him in there just to get him on TV? I mean... I'm a Cedric Alexander fan, but why him? Why now? Why this? Well, I, I mean, to me, the whole thing is the gimmick would only work if the heels lose. But the heels didn't lose. To me, you know, if you're going to bring in someone like that that's a joke, then you have them actually get a win over it. To, to me, I think that's how you should have done it. But I hate to say it after what was such a great Raw show, this week's show was so bad in so many ways that it didn't need to be. It's just, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I hope this isn't what Paul Heyman's bringing for the process. Well, Vince hasn't given the full range yet. You could definitely see, you know, what we talked about last week. Heyman's fingerprints was all overall. We saw some of it this week, too. But you're right. To me, it took a step back from what it was last week. Well, to me, I think it was lazy writers. I mean, it's like, you know, I mean, it's like, is it too hard for anyone to try hard to make a good show? Because it just seemed like this was sloppy and thrown together. To me, I think it did have Vince McMahon's handprints all over it. The only thing I think we were missing was some type of a toilet joke. If we would have got that, then we would have known it was completely 100% Vince McMahon. But I think a lot of it, maybe they're, you know, I want to give Heyman some time. It's only been two weeks. And I'm sure, you you know how Vince is. I'm sure he's holding on to stuff. Uh, Maybe we'll have to wait till the XFL gets going before uh, we're actually going to see Heyman's real influence. Vince still hanging on to stuff. But look at it from like a sports standpoint, okay? John Gruden gets hired for the Oakland Raiders. They have a horrible season. It's not his team. It's not who he wants. It's not his guys running his plays. What he did was he spent last year getting rid of certain people. He now has a draft coming up to where he's actually going to build his team, and it takes time. Right now, Paul Heyman is in the team building, play building concept right now. So it, it it's going to take several weeks, maybe a couple months before you know the Heyman era is in full force. But I'm confident. Over on SmackDown, it opens up with a backstage interview with Dolph Ziggler, who's claiming he carried Kevin Owens last week during their match. Owens interrupts. He's honking the horn. Uh, They end up brawling. And then Shane McMahon 
shows up and <laughs> Sweaty McMahon shows up and cancels the main event. Owens comes out of the crowd, grabs a mic, and says McMahon has got more TV time than anyone on the roster. A while ago, I watched the entire McMahon family come out in this ring and say, hey, right now, from now on, we're going to listen to the fans and give the audience what they want. But the only thing that's happened since then is Shane McMahon has gotten more power, more authority, and more TV time than anyone. And trust me when I say that nobody watching ever wanted that. Uh, security comes out and chased Owens off. I thought this this opened up guns blazing, man. I thought that was great. I loved KO saying what we've all been thinking. No more Shane. No more Shane. We got to end this Shane era. It is wearing us out, If there's out, anything man. that the crowd is going to get behind, it's this with KO. He, he nailed it. Apparently, he actually probably reads what people are putting on Twitter and social media. And ultimately, he's probably speaking a large amount of truth as far as the atmosphere in the locker room right now. Did it remind you guys of a Nitro back in the day, how it started off like backstage in the garage or in the parking lot? No, I know what you're talking about. All we need now is the NWO to throw Rey Mysterio into a uh, production trailer like a dart, and maybe the police will be called. We need the White Hummer running over people. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura then defeated Finn Balor. It was a uh, non-title match, so you knew Shinsuke was going to win. Great match. uh, By far, uh, my favorite match of the night. Actual match. Well, I I like seeing Nakamura as a singles wrestler again. I mean, he did such a great job in NXT and then has just not been used good. I think it's good. You know, it's okay for Balor to lose because I think that shows he's vulnerable as long as it doesn't make him look too weak. But you know, I think we knew, hey, once this is a, you know, if it's non-title, you know, we know who's going to win. But maybe this is the beginning of a serious Nakamura. Well, not match. only that, but with Shinsei being off TV for as long as what he have, has, and a lot of people may or may not be uh, privy to these two's history in New Japan, this match kind of had a cold match feeling. And what I mean by that is not saying the match itself wasn't great. Of course it was. But what, what it's kind of lacking at this point is a certain angle and a certain amount of heat to build this thing up. So I know they're getting started, but it seemed very put together as far as just a simple booking of two guys getting in the ring, have a great match. What we need at this point is a little bit of heat involved in the angle to push this thing and escalate to the next level. I agree, I mean, man. I wish they would have mentioned their history in Japan, but they didn't go there. Like you said, they just went in kind of cold. Uh, they then recap Samoa Joe's attack on Kofi Kingston. Joe comes out, cuts a promo uh, that he's going to take the WWE Championship. Rumor is Kofi's currently dealing with some sort of legit injury, and he was pulled from some house shows recently. Well, hey, man, I thought that was a great promo. To me, that's what I like Joe when he's intense and intimidating, but he's not just screaming and yelling to yell. To me, that really shows what a heel is. I'm really digging the Samoa Joe uh, heel character he has right now. They don't change. Uh, Bailey and Nikki Cross come out for their contract signing uh, for the WWE SmackDown Women's Title Match. No Alexa Bliss, which I thought was interesting. They uh, talk about uh, Nikki talks about if they win, they're going to be co-champs. Still uh, thinking there's going to be a setup between Alexa. And Nikki down the road. Nia Jax and Alexa Bliss, part two. 
I mean, it's the same exact storyline we just saw a year ago. Well, speaking of Nikki, she then defeated Carmella. Uh, they recap Kari Sane and Asuka's win over the Iconics in Japan. Paige tells the Iconics she wants a tag team title match soon. Where have they been? They finally show up, and uh, these women uh, tag team champions, they haven't defended these titles I, maybe a handful of times since they won it at WrestleMania. Haven't even been on TV a handful of times. Well, hey, I gotta, I gotta admit, every time Carmella comes out, I still can't get over the uh, video that that you created. I always have to just listen to Graves every time to see if there's any uh, nuggets he might give us about the relationship between him and Carmella. My personal favorite is Money in the Bank. Carmella, Otis defeated Xavier Woods and Daniel Bryan, setting up their uh, triple tag team match coming up at Extreme Rules. Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville continue to bully uh, Dave's favorite, Amber Moon, and then challenge her to a tag team match. Oh, God. <laughs> against her and a partner for choosing for next week. I just can't get behind Amber, Amber, Amber Moon. I just don't know. I, I don't know. It's just, I, honestly, when she comes on, I change the channel or I, uh, I go get a Coke or a Mountain Dew out of the, uh, out of the kitchen, I, I leave for a few minutes, and it's like I never missed anything. Well, unfortunately, like many other victims of events, she was great in NXT, and they bring her up, and they basically just show her reading books backstage. In NXT, she was kicking butt and taking names. Hey, I don't mind Ember Moon, but I kind of liked her again at the first time whenever <laughs> it was called Kara Hogan. Is she well, still I, with Impact? Yeah, she uh, she was on uh, the Friday broadcast of Impact, as a matter of fact. She wasn't on the Slammiversary pay-per-view. Alistair Black's opponents then revealed to be Cesaro. Dave, you mentioned earlier he was a Paul Heyman guy. This could be the start of good things to come, but I don't see him beating Alistair Black at Extreme Rules. I think Black is too early in his uh, in, in being on the main roster, but – you know, I, I got to tell you, I, I really hope they do give him a push, but I'm really excited. You know, I know this is a little bit off subject, but I'm really excited to have Eric Bischoff come in. I've been listening to that 83 Weeks podcast for a while, and I, I really enjoy listening to how he breaks down matches and all that kind of stuff. I did enjoy WCW up until probably uh, January 1st, uh, 19, uh, January 4th, 1999, when I decided to turn over to Raw and never turn back. Uh, but I, I mean, I'm excited for this, maybe giving some of these other guys opportunities. Uh, but to me, I'm like, all right, you're going to push Cesaro, but then I, I just, there's no way I think they're going to have him beat Alistair Black, you know, in his first big match, you know, at a pay-per-view of the singles. No, I think it's going to be an awesome match though, as far as actual wrestling goes, but, uh, yeah, you can't have him beat Black. You're trying to, you're trying to build him up. He can't take a loss. Unless maybe someone uh, leaves the Firefly Funhouse and interferes. Yowie, wowie, we're going to have so much fun here. Roman Reigns then defeated Dolph Ziggler. KO runs out to the ring and gives Sweaty McMahon a stunner. After taking out McMahon, Reigns got the pinfall on Ziggler with a spear. What do we think? Uh, KO versus Shane at SummerSlam? It's going to be in Canada. I mean, that would be a great way to – I mean, KO, he can get himself over anywhere. Uh, anyone that can just just put Shane McMahon out of his min- misery for a little bit. We just need like a, a six-month break because I'm so shamed out. But from a business standpoint, you kind of alluded to it just a second ago. 
events in Canada, KO, huge in Canada being the native of the country. Shane McMahon has to cling to every big possible match that he can get a hold of. Him and KO is just one more angle that he can notch on his belt. Not only that, we are sick of him, so it's going to make that match much sweeter for KO if he's able to defeat Shane. So, yeah, we're tired of too much Shane. I think his heel character is great. I've I've said it before. It's just too much overexposure. But, again, they're cramming them down our throats because we're tired. We're going to get tired of them, which will make it even better when KO wins. Well, do we need Shane on both shows? I mean, I'd be fine if he was on one show. But why are you making him the primary character on both shows? And then you're giving all these other guys. you got all those guys in the roll-up division, the 24-7, that are getting maybe 10 seconds of airtime every night. You know, why can't you, you know, make some stars? We know Shane's a star, but just wait. I mean, that and Becky Lynch and uh, Rollins, I mean, if if those three – disappeared off of uh, wrestling for about two months, I would be perfectly fine with it. And I think uh, it, right. you wouldn't miss him that much. Extreme Rules coming up this weekend. We'll run through the card, uh, some quick predictions. Uh, of course, this is as of now, and the card is subject to change. But the WWE Cruiserweight Championship, Drew Gulak versus Tony Nese. I think Gulak retains. Yeah, I'm going to go with you. I think Gulak retains. And, hey, you called that upset last Drew Gulak. month. Revival versus Usos for the Raw Tag Titles. I think Revival's going to retain. Oh, God, I hope the rival retains. I'm Usoed out, too. I Maybe I'm just WWE'd out. I'm trying not to be negative. I thought I was an optimist now, but now I'm falling back into my own self. <laughs> Thanks, WWE. The Revival's going to retain. I've been Usoed out for about two years now. Whenever they became a bunch of hood rat prison convicts, I can't stand the Usos. Go back to being Samoans from the jungle whenever you're actually interesting. Peace. Bye. Uh, Alistair Black versus Cesaro. Again, I think Alistair Black wins. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I think there's no way you have Black uh, lose his first match. I think Cesaro is going to make him look like a million bucks. But my question is, where does Cesaro go after this? Alistair Black will win, but this here will be the match of the night. SmackDown Tag Titles, Daniel Bryan and Rowan versus The New Day. Versus heavy machinery. I think Daniel Bryan and Rowan keep the straps. I I am going to actually. I'm going to throw. I'm going to throw a shocker here. I think uh, heavy machinery is going to pull a massive upset. I think they're probably going to have a one week title reign and use it lose it back immediately. But uh, I think they're going to pull an upset. Don't have any reason why. I'm just. I got to choose something different. We're picking well, the same. I want to lean towards Bryan and Rowan. But here's the deal. We've already talked about how many title matches so far. We already talked about the Raw title. We already talked about the 205 title. I want to say one of these belts is going to change hands. Is this the match that's going to happen? I'm, I, I hate to jump on board with you, Loose Cannon, but heavy machinery. SmackDown women's title, Bailey versus Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. I think Bailey retains uh... – they're not going to have co-champs. Uh, if they did, of course, that would add fuel to the fire to, with the feud between the uh, Bliss and Nikki that they're building. I don't think it happens on this night, though. I think Bailey retains. Yeah, I'm going to go with you. I think Bailey retains, and I think we're going to start seeing the implosion of uh, of uh, Bliss and Cross I are going to start to break apart. I think there's a chance Nikki Cross will get the pin 
we will have co-champions, and then that will be the catalyst of dissension from here till probably SummerSlam between Alexa and Nikki. And will we see the return of Sasha Banks during this match? Hey, Banks has started making, uh, you know, she's starting getting out on Twitter again and things like that. We're starting to see her out in social media again in a positive way. So, yeah, maybe this is the return of uh, Sasha Sasha Banks. Banks. Is the return of Leo Rush afoot? Uh, Last man standing match between Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley. Uh, I, I want Lashley to win. I think he deserves the push he's never got in WWE. Of course, he's, he was the WWE's version of ECW champion, and he's been intercontinental in the U.S., but he's never really had a good heavyweight title roundup that I think he deserves. Uh, with all that said, I think Strowman's going to win this match. I think Strowman's going to win too, but, man, I would love to see Lashley win. You know, he came in, he had so much hype when he came back to WWE. He can flat-out perform. I, I just don't understand why he can't seem to get to that next level. Uh, and, honestly, that'd be a great way to get him to the next level by having him pull off, uh, pull off an upset here. But, unfortunately, I think Strowman, uh, you know, maybe this is going to be the start of uh, building Strowman. All right, to so you guys seen go Raw next a week level. or so ago whenever they both went through the uh... – Basically, the screen, the Titantron, and got electrocuted, and both guys were hauled out in ambulances, right? So, I think that's going to carry over. Here's mm-hmm. my official prediction. Follow me on this one. It's last man standing, correct? So, they're going to have this massive mm-hmm. bump double down. It's going to be declared a draw. No man is standing. And then they're going to play a game of Connect Four in the middle of the ring to settle this. Hey, I, I think the thumb wrestling match between them would be absolutely epic. No holds barred match. The Undertaker and Roman Reigns versus Shane Sweaty McMahon and Drew McIntyre. You got to have Undertaker and Roman win. That's I think Undertaker and Roman win. And I think uh, Drew McIntyre takes the pin. And I can't take, I can't take McIntyre serious anymore. He's talked a big game ever since he's been there, but every time they put him in a big match, he ends up getting pinned. He was so dangerous when he first came back and was with Dolph Ziggler, but they've made him look so weak over the last six months. And Roman Reigns go over on McIntyre. And then I don't really know with what Shane's angle is really going to be other than he's going to do some of his normal stunt man type bumps, but I just don't know what kind of fallout is going to, play beyond this and will kevin owens have anything to do with the outcome of this match wwe championship kofi kingston versus samoa joe as much as i think samoa joe should win this match i think kofi retains going into SummerSlam. i want joe to win i would love for joe to win i would pray for joe to win (laughs) but unfortunately i agree with you kofi's gonna win but i am gonna be cheering for him because i want to see the belt uh, on Samoa Joe, uh, but I think with Eric Bischoff coming in, I, I think they're just going to keep things how I they are until he gets settled in. Extreme rules, but it's not going to be this one. You're not going to the World Championship switch oh. before SummerSlam. Oh, I, it makes me so. Oh, my heart's broken. <laughs> Give Joe one reign. That's all I want. Then I can <laughs> then I can go after Dixie Carter some more and post pictures of Samoa Joe with the belt. United States Championship match, Ricochet versus AJ Styles. I think this 
belt will change hands, and I think AJ will win. I would. I think AJ is going to win, but I think he's going to win like a heel. It's not going to be clean. I think he's going to get some help from the good brothers. He's going to win the title. The club will reemerge, and possibly a new member, maybe. Uh, Extreme Rules winner takes all mixed tag team match. Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch versus Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans. I'm on the fence about this one. I really am. Uh, I'm going to say we see new champs. I I wish you were right because, honestly, I don't even think I'm going to watch this match. I'm going to watch up until uh, Corbin and them come to the ring, and then I'm going to turn it off because that's how sick I am of them shoving Rollins and Lynch down our throats. So I am going to – I think Rollins and Lynch are going to win – uh, again, I'm not going to see it. You have to tell me next week because honestly, you know, two words. You know, I got my cares. own problems in professional wrestling to deal with. I don't need this crap in my life. You have an option. AEW Fight for the Fallen this Saturday night, free on BR Live. Chris Jericho will be appearing. Uh, Darby Allen, Jimmy Havoc, and Joey Janela versus MJF, Sammy Guarva, and Sean Spears. I got Darby. Jimmy and Joey winning that match. Oh, man, we got to go for Darby after the shout-out he gave for the slot drop this week. Hello, this is Darby Allen, and you're listening to Slop Drop. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and all major podcast platforms. I think everyone can see on our Twitter page or on Facebook you got to go for the guy that gives a shout-out. I'll tell you, any time that you can see the Ayatollah of rock and rolla, the greatest of all time, Chris Jericho, I would watch that anytime, anywhere, rather than watching that junk with Lynch and Rollins. So of everybody that you named in that match, I'm a fan, massive fan of a handful of them. Some of the guys, <laughs> I don't give two craps about. Lynch and Darby Allen. And I know I'm a little late, and you guys have probably already did a show, obviously, since the last AEW event. But I want to say that Darby Allen's match against Cody in 2019 is, pro- is in fact, in the top three best matches that I've seen this year. And it proves what a talent and what a work. I became Darby a huge Allen fan really of him is. during that match. Gave him some love for it. He returned the favor. We appreciate it, man. Uh, not only you know, not only that, these guys deserve a win uh, because, of course, Darby he didn't lose, but he also didn't win against Cody. It went to time limit. Uh, I think uh, Jimmy Havoc and Joey Janela are both coming off losses, so those three are due for a win. Plus MJF and Sean Spears, they're not going to coexist. I don't care what some low life fat guy in Arkansas thinks of me. So I'm going with Darby Allen, Jimmy Havoc, Joey Janela. Uh, speaking of Janela, you know, we, we mentioned that Darby gave us a shout-out. Speaking of Janela, him and Enzo Amora had a little confrontation at a Blink-182 concert. Uh, Enzo had his buddy video, it, and then he posted it all over Twitter. Uh, honestly, if it came down to it, Enzo would probably win that fight if it was a legit fight. But come on, Enzo. You don't need to be doing this crap. Man, Enzo's just trying to make himself relevant. Uh, unfortunately, Enzo, he hasn't been relevant in a long time, and you can't teach that. <laughs> and you can't teach that! 
ever in a relationship with Liv Morgan is beyond me. I have no idea what's going on in this world. But let me tell you this. The whole thing, I want to say it's probably a work, and here's why. Or or it may have been a work 100% on Enzo's part, and Joe Janela, to his credit, may have been just surprised as anybody. But if you're going to have a legit altercation, chances are your best buddy next to you is not going to have the phone handy and ready. So, I mean, the, the whole thing reeks of a work. And both of the guys are freaking idiots. Also on this card, Kenny Omega versus Shima. Omega takes it. Oh, man, Omega, I love watching his work. He continues. To to me, I think he's one of the best in the world. Uh, I, I just – I have nothing but great things to say. Any guy who can put on a great match, you know, with some of the uh, matches he did in his early years, uh, I mean – I'm just an Omega fan. He's just, he's on a roll, man. Kenny Omega is beatable, but not this event and not yet. They're, they're going to build the brand up more and put him in, in, in a real huge match. And I can't tell you who it's going to be. I, don't, I can't tell you if it's going to be him and Jericho again, him and Cody, whatever. It's further down the road, but no, not tonight. Brandy Rhodes for Allie. I think Brandy Rhodes takes this one, but it sets up for something down the road for Allie to uh, get a win later on. Uh, but Saturday, I think Brandy Rhodes wins. Yeah, I think Brandy Rhodes wins this one. Uh, you know, I, I, she's just had some great work also in the last year. She's come along a, a long way. And Allie, to her credit, is a veteran that's been around, you know, women's wrestling in a lot of other organizations for a while. But I'm just impressed that Allie came back from the dead after they killed her on Impact. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Hangman hey, Page hey. versus Kip Sabian. Hangman Page going in to face Jericho for the title. He can't go in with a loss. I think Hangman Page wins. Yeah, I think Paige, you got to give him a little bit of momentum going into the title match. Young Bucks versus right. Cody and Dustin. Young Bucks coming off a win, Cody and Dustin. Uh, Dustin coming off a loss against Cody, and then Cody, of course, his awesome match with Darby Allen that went to the, the time limit draw. So they need some wins. Uh, I think Cody and Dustin Rhodes wins. Uh, I think the Young Bucks are going to pull it out. I know there's it's going to be – the crowd's going to be very sentimental towards uh, – Towards Cody and Dustin, but I think the Young Bucks prevail. I think the Young Bucks are going to prevail because, one, they don't get pinned hardly ever, okay? And I don't see it being this time. Also, I think more people are intrigued by the journey of Cody and Dustin and not so much their success. MLW, uh, I've got to watch a little MLW this week. Jacob Fatu, the Samoan werewolf, defeated Filthy Tom Waller to become the new MLW heavyweight champion. Right, I didn't really see that happening. Um, but I can tell you, the Contra unit has become a very dominant force in MLW. So I, I it took me by surprise. And uh, was that part of the Kings of the Coliseum? Right, event, yeah, it was. Or whatever it was called. Forgive me for not getting that right. Okay, yeah, Kingsley Call. Uh, Impact, we saw Rhino make his return to Impact Wrestling at Slammiversary. Of course, he was wearing a mask. Technically, he's still under contract with WWE for like another week. So he <laughs> wore a mask so you couldn't see him. 
and they didn't say his name, but we all know it was <laughs> Rhino. Uh, Johnny Impact and LAX's contracts are both up. You know that WWE, AEW, and whoever else has got to be looking at that that talent. Those are a good tag team to get and a good singles talent to get. Speaking of Impact, I think John Morrison is one of the absolute best wrestlers in the world. Uh, I don't know that he's going to go back to to WWE. I don't know if there's some you know heat involved between the the two entities at this point. I could see Johnny. Will we AEW see Johnny Elite? happening? There Speaking of Impact, I didn't get it. I didn't watch Slammiversary. I know someone uh, with us right now did. R Dub, what did you think about Slammiversary? So I ordered it, and and I watched it. And I'm not going to lie. In 2019, it's probably one of the best events that I've seen as far as what professional wrestling goes. It's probably the best event that they've put off in a few years. The match opened up with a four way. Unfortunately, it was a cold four-way, kind of like I mentioned earlier with Finn Balor and Shinsuke Nakamura. You had uh, TJ Perkins. You had one of the guys from the Rascals. uh, I forgot his name. Willie Mack. And then one other guy. And and it's been a few days, so I forgot who it was. But bottom line is, oh, it was uh, uh, Jake. Chris? Something. Jake Chris, there you go, from Ohio versus everything. Willie Mack did get the win. The thing about it is, though, it was just guys going in and having a great particip- or great performance of moves and not so much a story. There was no angle. And that's what they started the event with. So that's, you know, a negative. The match itself was good, but it kind of lacked a certain amount of, of – heat and and fans being into it as far as the story goes match after that was a a triple threat match so we're at two matches we haven't had a one-on-one yet it was a triple threat tag team match you had the champions the north all ego ethan page i hope he listens to the show i'm a huge fan of his josh alexander they're the north they're the champions defending against lax and the other two people from the rascals i believe it's a a three-man group Anyway, the North did retain, and I want to say a member of LAX uh, suffered a legitimate knee injury during the match. Then we have Moose and the ECW original RVD. This was the first one-on-one match, and it was not cold, as there has been a long built-up storyline of Moose feuding with the ECW originals. Moose did go over clean on RVD, and whenever I say he went over clean, I understand there was some chair play involved, but that's kind of a, a standard with, with RVD. So even though there's, like I said, a little bit of chair play involved, Moose honestly went over as clean as what can be. So that that was a big statement for Moose. Uh, after that, we had the Monsters Ball match with the Knockouts division. I think this was probably the first female Monster Ball match we had with Tyre, Tyre Valkyrie, Rosemary, Havoc, and soon uh, the Walking Dead <laughs> bride Chinese gal. Soon Yi. Uh Ty Vapri did retain her title. And then what else did we have? Uh the machine. Uh, Michael and, Elgin and um Brian Cage. Uh Brian Cage of course did retain Brian Cage. Is that right? I forgot. At that at that point in the night, I'm like nine beers in. I believe so. And then the main event, yes, the main event was an intergender match between your boy, Sammy Callahan, and Tessa Blanchard. The match itself, 
they did everything they could to put Tessa over. And to her credit, she took a hell of an ass beating from Sammy Callahan and eventually did get the pinfall win over him. And and I'm not really going to say what they did was, was right or wrong. Everybody can have their own opinion of intergender wrestling. I have mine. But to their credit, they did get their point across of making Tessa look vulnerable, look like she was coming back from behind the entire match, and then ultimately, at the last minute, coming out ahead, proving she can take a good ass beating and still come out on top. And Sammy Callahan's, uh, you know, he's an acquired taste. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Sammy Callahan or intergender matches, but I am a fan of Tessa Blanchard, and I would love to see her in the WWE someday with uh, Charlotte and do something with the, uh, you know, the old four horsemen, do a spinoff of that. Rick Swan did retain against Johnny Impact. So, kind of making you think, okay, so Johnny Impact didn't get that title. Contract's almost up. Johnny Elite? Could be. I'm surprised he didn't have Rick Swan in a <laughs> gender match. He's got some experience with that. So. <laughs> uh, Alberto Del Rio and Tito Ortiz are going to have an MMA match. So I saw something about this on you heard Twitter. And I want to say that they were talking about Shell. They were talking to Shell Sonnen about this, and he kind of had the same opinion as what a handful of people do. Who really gives a crap? I mean, T- man, Tito hasn't been dangerous since like 2006. You know, he's been fighting old men. I mean, his fight against Chuck Liddell. Chuck Liddell, his jaw is made out of glass now. I mean, there's a reason why Tito Ortiz went like 0-5 in his last five UFC fights. He's not competitive anymore. Are they having this? Is this going to be in Bellator? No, it's. I think Del Rio is part owners of an MMA promotion, and that's going to be oh. one of their main events. Oh, that's – to to me, I'm like, <coughs> Tito, you need to just retire – I'm sure, uh, you know, he must have a lot of debt or something because he keeps he keeps re- continues to fight. But to me, I mean, that's a joke. How, I mean, how many uh, MMA fights has Alberto Del Rio actually had in his career? He's had some. Just Google Alberto Del Rio versus Mirko Krokop, and it ends in about 30 seconds with a head kick to the head, knocks Del Rio out. I mean, you know, Del Rio has burned every organization he's worked for. He can't work professional wrestling, so I guess he's fine getting knocked out every – 30 seconds and getting a payday. I, I think t- Tito Ortiz takes this easily. Yeah, I don't even think it's competitive. Uh, I mean, if Krokop can knock him out in 30 seconds, I mean, you know, Krokop, I, I liked him. He was awesome back in the day, especially in Pride, but, well, I mean, he's a shell of himself now. Well, this was back in his prime, so it didn't last long. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, but I, I totally agree with, uh, with Hardy Mania there. I mean, yeah, who cares, man? While we're on talk topic of MMA, UFC 239, Michael Chiesa defeats Diego Sanchez by unanimous decision. Retire, Diego, please. I'm making a, I'm pleading. I, I could barely recognize you again when you came to the ring. I, I don't know who you are anymore. Your face has changed so much. Please stop fighting. You know, Diego is one of the OGs, one of the original cast members of the Tough Enough, or not Tough Enough, but the Ultimate Fighter Show. I agree, man. We all love Diego, but it's time to retire. Jan Blahovich defeats Luke Rockhold by knockout in round two in a minute and 39 seconds. 
Uh, speaking of retiring, Dana White suggested that Luke Rockhold probably needs to retire after that one. I think Luke Rockhold should talk about hanging it up. He broke his jaw tonight. So that's the second broken jaw. He's been knocked out viciously a few times here. Shin is all banged up. He had to have skin graft and all kinds of stuff. Just He's had a good career. He's been a great fighter. I'd like to, I'd like to see him hang it up. He's on a losing streak, got his jaw broke, and constantly dealing with some injuries. I tend to agree with Dana. It's probably time to retire. Rockhold looked old, and it seems like uh, a lot of miles has caught up with him quick. The fight clock is brought to you by Mojo. Jorge Masvidal defeats Ben Askren by knockout in about five seconds of round number one. Askren's been talking a lot of trash since he's signed with the UFC. I think he – Oh, man, that was the pie. clip of the night. Welcome to the, the UFC, Five Askren. seconds heard around the world. Askren, uh, you know, I, I loved his Twitter post later <laughs> when he says, well, that sucked. It did. I mean – yeah, I mean, what else can he say? But I mean, uh, <laughs> what, yeah, what, what a, can he say? What a finish there! And but I, I don't think it's going to shut him up too long. But it might make him realize, hey, the UFC is a tough division, you know, to fight in organization. That was just the whole time. I'm going to take this flying knee out of nowhere. I'm going to get knocked out. I'm here to prove a point. Well, Askren's a wrestler. Uh, I, I honestly, I, I only got two fights out of five correct on my predictions. Um, I really thought Askren was just going to take him down and lay and pray for three rounds and win by decision like he normally does. Master will have him scouted out real well. I mean, he's a wrestler. Of course he's going to shoot in. He tried to shoot in, and it didn't work. Oh, Nunez was... Oh! Amanda Nunez defeats Holly Holm by TKO. Devastating head kick to home. I think home probably would have recovered if that, uh, you know, by itself alone. But once she went down, Nunez smelled blood, jumps on her ground and pounds, and the ref stops it. Uh, four minutes and ten seconds in the round one. She's still the queen of the jungle. And still! And speaking of the queen of the jungle, the king, John Jones, retains. He defeats Tiago Santos by split decision. Tiago Santos, man, what a performance he had. He, I don't think anybody gave him much credit going into this fight. It lasted all five rounds. Not only all five rounds, but he had a torn MCL, ACL, uh, you name it, and finished the match. Well, that John match Jones could have gone either in a very way. Close I mean, it was 48-47, 48, 48, 47 and then 47-48. I mean, it could have gone either way. I think that's the first time that John Jones has had a judge – Mark him as losing the fight. Uh, to me, it was a, you know, John Jones still showed why he's uh, kilo by kilo. Of course, people will know the reference I'm making there. The best, uh, you know, kilo for kilo fighter in the world. But, uh, you know, hey, he is beatable. Maybe age is starting to catch up with him. He's put a lot of rounds in, similar to uh, GSP. Uh, you know, I think this is the first chink of the armor. I think Jones is beatable. I am the connoisseur, Niles Blanque. This is pretty cool. We got a special guest tonight. Uh, the connoisseur himself bringing some class and sophistication to the slop drop. 
Niles Planquet. Welcome that's, to Flop Drop, Niles. That's right. I'm glad you pronounced my name correctly. Well, so. you know, th- there's a lot of uh, two-buck chucks out there like to say Planck, but we all know it's Planquet. That's right, and two-buck chucks they are if they can't pronounce Planquet. So thanks for having me, guys. It's, it's, uh, it's an honor. You bet, man. So the, the folks that are not familiar with uh, Niles Planquet, how long have you been in the wrestling business? Um, well, I started in 99, technically. Uh, it's been 20 years since I've been stepped foot into a ring. That was this last May. So, and I have uh, don't plan on slowing down anytime soon. What made, you, what made you decide to go down this path of wrestling? Was there any certain wrestler that stood out as a kid or a teenager or somebody that inspired you? Um, yeah, I mean, like, when I was a kid, like, I have an older brother and a twin brother, and we uh, – my older brother was into wrestling. So when I was a kid, we used to watch all the WWF uh, pay-per-views. Like I remember watching WrestleMania and stuff. We lived in like a rural area. So we had like the big satellite dish. So we couldn't, we didn't have like cable or anything like that. We just had the big, that giant satellite dish. Oh yeah. Yeah. The big NASA thing out there. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, I remember watching like from an early age and like, you know, like in Hulk Hogan, the original award. You know, like the the basic baby faces back then, and then when my uh, older brother went to college, we kind of stopped watching wrestling uh, until he came back from college, and then we started again. And that's whenever um, Monday Night Raw started. So started watching that again, kind of periodically. Then uh, we went to uh, about when I was sixteen or so. Is when I really started watching fifteen, sixteen, when the Attitude Era kind of started. And uh, so, obviously, I liked, you know, guys like Stone Cold, Maroc, and all those guys. But uh, Mick Foley was probably my biggest inspiration to get into wrestling. He was one of my favorite guys to uh, to watch on TV. Even now, I like going back and watching stuff that he did. But, um, yeah, he was probably one of the most more influential guys in getting me to actually step between the ropes the first time. Now, did you go to a specific school or training center or have a specific trainer yeah um, i trained with sonny myers st joe missouri so um, sonny was a 14-time nwa central stage champion he wrestled back in like the 40s 50s and 60s primarily and then he went on to be like a referee into the 70s and 80s um, he was uh he was kind of like what you would call the vet to like Harley Graves and those guys. He was like the first time for those guys. So he was the guy who'd been in business longer. Started up with uh, Gus Karras and St. Joe. And um, he kind of um, took me under his wing. Uh, my, my brother and I had done martial arts for years. And at that point, when we're 17, 16, we're doing suplexes on the mat and body slams <laughs> and making him really irritated. So He's like, I'm going to introduce you to a wrestler I know in St. Joe. He did. I met Sonny, and he um, had, like, a small group of guys he was starting to work with and uh, invited me to come up to it. So we actually trained in a ring that was owned by uh, Lord Littlebrook, who was the midget wrestler there in St. Joe. Um, And uh, that was kind of fun to go and talk to Brooke. And uh, once in a while, little Tokyo would be there. So it was, uh, awesome. yeah, it was just a really cool environment, really cool place to learn. 
Sonny, you know, Sonny taught us the old school way, you know, like we, the first three months of training was all shoot, you know, we all did um, amateur wrestling, we did escape drills and waist locks and takeovers and, you know, if you couldn't, we, we legit took him over, you know, it wasn't until probably three months in that he, you know, quote unquote, smartened us up and got us to where we started working spots and things like that, so. It was a cool experience. You don't see that anymore. So it's, you know, that was one of the dying thing. I got I got to take advantage of one of those dying old school training, you know, things. So that was pretty cool. The well, Nile, well, Niles, um, you know, like currently, uh, you know, you play a fantastic heel. I gotta say, I absolutely love watching the work that you do. You do a great job at. Uh, especially getting a lot of heat from the crowd, especially with this uh, Niles Planquet character. I really love it. Kind of tell us, you know, how did you come up with this initial character? And I think it's fascinating how this character ties into your real life. Um, Yeah. So, you know, interestingly enough, um, Niles Planquet um, was actually kind of given to me. Uh, when the National Wrestling League started in Kansas City, the NWL. Uh, prior to that, I had started working um, as my real name. I was putting the, the moniker, the vintage Craig Keesman in front of us, trying to tie in something with the wine to, to wrestling. And I hadn't really found what I was looking to do yet with it. And when the, um, the NWL started, I remember having a conference call with the with their writers and their their higher ups and whatnot, and uh, we decided on the name Niles Plunk. And uh, they were gonna, you know, they had some sketches designs on, you know, gear and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, now, you know, I, it, it's the hardest thing to come up with your own gimmick. I think anybody in the industry can tell you that to come up with your own stuff is hard. It's easy to spout out a million things for friends, other people in the business to do something for yourself is really hard. So when they gave me something, I was able, like the light bulb turned on, like, ah, I, now I can, now I can do something with this. Um, they had given me something that I could run with. And now I said, I'm going to run with this thing. So um, I really tied it into, um, you know, my, my legit job, my shoot job here, uh, running a winery, making wine and stuff like that, using the terminology, kind of using the experiences I've had when I've met people in the wine industry who are, you know, real life Niles Blancs, real life snobs and things like that. So, um, oh. yeah, it's just a cool process how that all come together. I got to tell you, you, you mentioned the, the wine company, Windy Wine Company. Uh, I, I recently read an article and I shared that on Twitter that uh, winespector.com did on Niles Plonk and the company you run. That, that was pretty cool, man. Yeah, that was a really, really cool thing. Um, they picked that up from um, uh, NPR radio. I did a, a spot for them um, for Journey Pro Wrestling out of Kansas City. We were on uh, NPR in Kansas City. And they liked the interview enough that they wrote like a little, you know, um, I forgot what they called it, just a little article about it, about me and stuff on it. And then that got picked up by a few other of the NPR stations and uh, websites. And then uh, the wine spectator caught wind of it and they did a full interview with it. So that was pretty cool. 
Uh, and prior to that, Missouri Wines, which is uh, our big organization in Missouri that promotes Missouri wineries and things like that, uh, they ran like a uh, special interest piece on me. So like all that happened within about uh, oh, a three months span. So I had article after article after article. It was really cool. It was really great for my social media because I could just keep posting new stuff. And um, now I got, I have another one coming up soon. I just got contacted today about doing another article for something in Kansas city. So that's really cool. And it's cool how it all ties together. So, well, I have a feeling that a lot of people will be contacting you soon because I first got to see you in action. Uh, it was the MSW event in Springfield, Missouri uh, months oh, yeah. ago. And uh, on the way back, you know, Dave did a few interviews afterwards, but on the way back, I was telling Dave, I was like, man, that Niles Plonk, he's really got it, everything put together. And I was saying, I wouldn't be surprised to see you on TV someday for, you know, one of the national companies that we see. Very impressed, man. You got it going on. Keep doing what you're doing. Love the character. And just, we're big fans here at the Slop Job. Well, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, that Springfield show was was awesome. Mid-States Wrestling, Jason Jones, he runs a really good show and uh, that was one of my more favorite shows I'd done in a while so well Niles I know uh you know you mentioned you really uh you know became a wrestler during the whole boom during the attitude era it's really cool because a lot of the wrestlers we talked to it seems like they all kind of started out around the attitude era and you know we know there was a big boom in independent wrestling at that same time with the attitude era but then it was kind of a down period in independent wrestling, but the last few years, it seems like independent wrestling has just absolutely exploded. Oh yeah, um, you know my first match was, and it was in, uh, it was at the end. It was like November of '99, and it was um, 600 people standing room only. The fire marshal turned away people. I mean, it was a pretty big big deal uh and so i just assumed and then like for the next six months every show that was run didn't matter if it was in a bar didn't matter if it was in an armory a high school you know there was 600 700 sometimes 1200 people at some of these places and the people were just hot and into it and then um like overnight it seemed like overnight it just dropped off like and it wasn't like a gradual falling down like you know, from 600 to 300, it was just like overnight, it dropped down from 600 to like 100 people. And then um, the next time they ran, they had 30. The next time they ran, they had 10, you know, like, and so there's a lot of shows where there was less than 50 people that paid to come see. And we worked, basically, we did a dress up rehearsal uh, because, you know, the, the show must go on regardless of whether there's two people or 10, you know, 2000. So, uh, but yeah, it was, it was a noticeable drop and it was looking back at it. It's, it was shocking to see how quickly that fell off. And then that, like I said, just a matter of months, it seemed like. Well, man, not only indie wrestling, but wrestling in general is picking up. Now you've got WWE, uh, AEW, MW, impact is there anything that you watch today if so what do you like what do you not like that that you're seeing oh sure i mean i'm i'm always a, a diehard wwe fan that's what started me in the business that's kind of that's always been my you know number one goal is to get something to do with them and i've done 
extra work and stuff for him before, but I've never been able to like get that contract. And it's always the, the one thing I wanted to, to get, but I'm not saying that, you know, I, I follow a lot of other things now too. There's a lot of other cool, interesting things going on. So I wouldn't be opposed to doing really anything. It's kind of, if I can make kind of more of a living doing the wrestling part, I would totally, you know, work for about anybody as long as the, the contract was good and the time was right. And it was, you know, a, a good decision all around. I do believe we've seen you on a raw about a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. I've done, like I said, I've done some extra work. So I've done security. I've been an EMT guy once, you know, all kinds of stuff. And I, I had a 205 live match in November. Um, te- I teamed up with Mike Seidel and took on the Lucha House Party. So that was kind of a, a highlight for me of my career. Took me 20 years to get to it, almost 20 years to get to it, but I got one of them in. So it's forever on YouTube. That's, I'm happy about that. Well, Niles, I really enjoy watching your work in the ring because, you know, you, you, play, you play that snobby heel character so perfect, but then also you're a technician too that can really go. You know, I, I really enjoy watching your your the technical aspect of it because i've seen you also uh you can get very technical in the ring as well yeah you know it's funny it's like technical now is pretty much just doing things like old school and uh making it believable so like i i appreciate you calling me technical i am by no means like the best technical wrestler but i what i try and do is have everything i do uh in terms of like wrestling actual wrestling holds exchanges you know what people would call chain now um make it believable and make it mean something so you know i, I appreciate that a lot i focus on that a lot because i in the heart of the business is it's, it's pro wrestling so i always want to make sure i include some sort of wrestling in my my pro wrestling match so um, yeah it's, a, it's an important part to me and i, I really focus on how I can make that a, a believable aspect of my story. How much credit do you give your martial arts background to your current wrestling? Uh-oh. Oh, um, I give it so much. Um, I started martial arts when I was 11 and I was not an athletic kid. I'm still not an athletic person. I've had to work really hard to get to have whatever athletic ability I have. Um, and it gets harder to maintain it as I get older. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I remember the joke was with our karate instructor, our martial arts instructor, was that when we walked in, we were in an old gymnasium. When my brother and I walked in, we tripped over the line that was painted on the floor, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we were klutz. And I'm still a big klutz, but um, something about martial arts when I got on the mat and I started learning the form, especially when I got to be about 14, 15 you know, everything just started clicking in my head that I had learned up to that. And then I started like being able to control myself more and, you know, think about how I wanted to move and then I would move that way. And it was really cool. So transitioning from that to wrestling was pretty easy. I mean, the moves have never been an issue for me as far as like those old school moves, the base moves and things, because it's all a lot of it's amateur wrestling or, or uh, martial arts takeovers and holds and things like that. And um, so the, the biggest part for me has been the psychology, like trying to break that down. That's what took me forever to, 
right. to really get a grasp on. So I'm a huge MMA fan. Uh, a lot of people you see uh, bitching and complaining about Brock Lesnar, <clears throat> Ronda Rousey, Matt Riddle, Shayna Baszler, so many others out there that's made that transition, that crossover. I'm a big fan of that. Um, you know, back in the day, they didn't have the UFC or Bellator or, or MMA, but they had football players. And to me, it makes more sense to have a legit MMA person uh, transition into a wrestler than it does a football player. So I don't, I don't get the 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 gripe on that, but I, I appreciate you saying that it helps you a lot. Oh yeah. I mean, like if anything, I, I think it's a very smart move for them to do it. I mean, they're, it's two different styles. I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're beating your body up two different ways. Mm-hmm. So in MMA, MMA and in martial arts, you beat yourself up. Obviously there's a lot more intensity to that. You're, you're not obviously having a match every night. Uh, with pro wrestling, you could have a match every night, or at least, you know, have a match four or five times a week. Uh, but it's a different type of beating your body up. And so, um, you know, an MMA fighter, a martial artist, um, and a football player to that extent are used to that impact. You know, they're they're not they'll be able to pick up on it better than say like a basketball player would, or a track player, or, or somebody else who's in a different sport that's not an impact sport. But um, definitely the MMA martial arts guys, um, they pick up on stuff so much, especially if they're well studied in MMA or martial arts, because it's you know they, they kind of go hand in hand. It's just kind of logic and reasoning on why you you do this and why your arm moves this way and does your knee is your knee supposed to bend this way hopefully so you know but it's a good thing well niles i really enjoy you know of course i got a chance to interview you last summer at in harrison at mid-states wrestling and i i really enjoyed because you know right before the interview i remember you said hey you know do you want it to be you know are we going to shoot you know and just seeing how you transform, because I was just sitting there talking to you and how you transform to your character just by like snapping of a finger. And I really enjoyed interviewing you. And then also when I see you do promos is it seems that you're really good at improv, especially when it comes working with the crowd. Uh, what can you kind of tell us about that? Um, you know, I don't know. I just, and that's something that's really developed with me in the last like six years or so. It's just, I've developed some sort of, quick wit to interact especially with this character but i mean i can do it with other characters or working just straight heel or face or whatnot but um yeah it's just been something i've just really kind of sought out and focused on is like how can i get more over how can i get more heat and that's interacting with the people that's being vocal never being quiet and uh always having something to say but having the things that i say makes sense for what I'm doing at the time and have it mean something for what the story is. I mean, I'm not the person who's just going to tell a fan to sit down and shut up for a cheap heat. I'm going to try and think of something else to really bring it into. And sometimes nine times out of 10, I really don't say anything at all. I'll just stare at them and give them a look or make a little tick with my eye, eyebrow or whatever, and just try and get heat through my facial expressions and, um, using some more witty terms than just this cliche heel retort. So we uh, we talked about your your match your appearance on Raw and your match on Two Hundred Five Live. You've been all over the place lately. I've kind of kept up on social media at all the 
different events you've been competing at. Uh, of course, the, the WWE stuff is probably pretty memorable. What would you consider one of your most memorable matches or one of the most memorable, uh, I guess you would say, famous people that you've worked with? Oh, gosh. Um, like all the time or like just recently? Uh, all, of all time. Or either or. Um, either or. I mean, like, I mean, I've had some cool stuff. Like, I remember like really one of the first big names that I got to work with was at an old Central States wrestling show in uh, Lawrence, Kansas. I got the team with Raven oh. right after he had, right after his WWE stint, you know, he was on the Indies back doing the blue jeans shorts and the, you know, doing the, basically his WCW gimmick. And that was, that was cool because during the attitude era, I would flip back and forth between like everyone between WCW and WWF and Raven was one of my favorite people to watch. So that was really cool to actually team with him. Um, Recently, like I've got to work with some really good names, like actually have matches and stuff with them, which is cool. So uh, I got to work with MVP, uh, earlier this year that was really really cool really great dude um, learned a lot from just working a, a you know 10 minute match with him. but um, you know I got a chance to work with Scott Steiner last year which was kind of nostalgic and fun and scary <laughs> I've heard I've, I've heard <laughs> stories and I've seen videos so I, I would probably yeah. be a little on edge yeah it was um, it was pretty cool so I mean yeah, and just, like, the big part for me is, like, working with the names is cool, but being able to just, like, go to Waffle House afterwards and shoot the breeze and pick their brains and just hear stories and stuff is, like, that's the best part of the business for me. Like, that's where I learned the most is just soaking that kind of information. Well, Niles, real quick, you, you have a great rivalry right now going – with the uh, the outlaw Bennett James and MSW, I've really enjoyed you guys going back and forth. Uh, and then you know, kind of tell us a little bit about you know the last probably the, I think the last year you guys at Mid States Wrestling have just been going back and forth. And now uh, even uh, Miranda Gordy, uh, daughter of Terry Gordy of the Freebirds, has gotten involved. Oh yeah, um, so uh, you know Brandon and I go back a long way. So Brandon, I. Brandon was uh, the guy that showed up to whenever I was running, helping my uh, buddy Derek Stone run a school in Valley Falls, Kansas. And Brandon showed up, and this was, I don't know, 16 years ago, something. And so I helped train Brandon. And um, he, uh, he, we've worked together for years, but, uh, you know, he's had a, a, he took some time off, and then he's come back. And I'm really happy that he's come back, and I'm getting a chance to work with him because he's, He's uh he can do some really impressive stuff and uh, you guys have great uh, ring chemistry together. Yeah, I mean, well, we're so comfortable working with each other's one of those things, but also you know I've seen him have some great matches with other people too. He's he's just a good worker, uh, so I'm really proud of him. So if he's listening, he owes me. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that's been fun to do that, and then to get uh, Gordy involved in it has been a lot of fun too. So I've been working with her on several shows where she's usually ends up besting Nile somehow with some sort of move. But uh, that's been a lot of fun to do that kind of stuff too and involve that. And, uh, I said Mid-States is probably my favorite place to be working right now just because uh, of 
how laid back it is and how much fun it is and the energy that it, it has. Cause it's got that old school vibe to it. And that's what I really like about wrestling. Well, the last event that they had up in Springfield, I mean, it was sold out standing room only. They were having to turn people away at the door. And I, I think I've been attending mid States event since I think my first one was like 2010 and, you know, I know the first event I went to is a pretty small crowd, and it seems like each event with Mid-States right now is getting bigger and bigger. Oh, yeah. And so, I, you know, I was on JJ's first show. I was on the first Mid-States show. I don't know how many years ago that was. That was a long time ago, like 2002 or three or something. So, and I used to work at, go down and wrestle for JJ once or twice a month in Harrison, and then he'd have shows around the area. Um, and then, you know, he had the, the issues with the commissions down there. And um, so we started running, planned on running the Springfield show. So this is kind of my, besides running, you know, he does a legend show once a year or so. And then maybe one or two other little spot shows. Um, this was like his first big hoop to do back into the mid-states and getting it kick-started. And I was really happy to see the turnout that it had. He, they all those guys involved with the promotion really, really busted it and really worked really hard to get people to be aware of it because uh, there's been other companies that's run in Springfield and they just can't draw. So um, they found whatever magic bullet it was so that they could have that amount of people be there. Well, Niles, the thing I really like when you're in the ring, you know, you'll watch matches and it seems like a lot especially on a lot of the big companies, there's a lot of spots. There's a lot of, Hey, someone hits someone with their finishing move 18 times and they're still not getting out. I really like watching your matches and a lot of the mid States matches because it's really telling stories in a way that makes sense. And, uh, you know, I really have enjoyed your work in mid States wrestling. Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah. It goes back to just that. What makes sense, you know, um, telling a story is so important and you can tell a story. I mean, what, what a lot of the guys today, a lot of the new guys today is they don't realize is that they kill very basic storytelling elements that they could get so much heat or they could get so over with uh, just because they want to go right in doing what's trendy and hot. And um, sometimes, well, not sometimes, almost every time um, doing those small little details are the they're the words between the pages from chapter to chapter of your story you know you you can you can have your synopsis of the story the beginning the middle the climax the end um and people will say man it's just another cookie cutter thing but if you fill in those little words you make them give them something to actually give them some character give them some some um you know information on where the person's going, where they where they've been, you know, you fill in the blanks and tell a much better, more detailed story, without really having to do a lot more. Um, that's, that's why I, you know, I appreciate the the compliments. I really just don't do a lot of big moves anymore because it hurts. Me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Niall, speaking about stories, you know, your your uh, your character, of course, is a basically right. a wino. Uh, and it ties into real life uh, with the Wendy Wine Company, uh, which, you know, you're associated. It's an award-winning winery. What can you tell us about the, the Wendy uh, Wine well, Company? The Wendy Wine Company's been in existence since uh, 2009. So over 10 years, 
now and um, started on my family's farm. I'm a sixth generation farmer. So wanted to do something to kind of play homage to the farm and, you know, um, diversify the farm a little bit more than just row crop and livestock. So I decided to do some wine stuff because I was making it at home and it just kind of grew uh, until or finally I said, I'm ready to do this winery thing. And um, been doing it ever since. We've won uh, awards with the winery. Gosh, we've shipped wine all over the country, uh, even overseas. So it's been a really cool thing to see and do. And actually, um, it's kind of like wrestling. there's some gratification in having a product that's presented to people and then watching them enjoy it or, or watching them consume that. And that's the same thing with wrestling. We're presenting a product to them and they're consuming it. So it, it's kind of the same thing for me. That's one of the reasons I really like it. How, how can I get my hands on a bottle of some wine? Bottle of wine. So um, we have an online store. It's through Vino Shipper. Uh, but if you go to our Windy Wine Company website, and that's windywine.com, you can find a link to order the wines on there. And they rotate periodically depending on what we have. We have at the store, we have about 24, 25 different wines that are always available. And online, we have maybe about a dozen. And so um, you can order those and get those shipped. Most of the states you can get shipped to. There's still a few states that uh, are uh, back in prohibition style laws, but uh, most <laughs> most of the states you can order now too and, and uh, be fine to get that stuff. So definitely. Well, I'll be in Kansas City in a couple of weeks, so I might have to come by your store and get me a bottle of your finest. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we're open Wednesday through Sunday. The hours are on our website, again, windywine.com. You can also follow that on uh, Facebook, and we also have a Twitter and Instagram account on that as well. Uh, Speaking of uh, social media, how can people book Niles Ponke? Um, They can book Niles Ponke by um, either messaging myself, uh, Craig Kiesman, on Facebook, or at yahoo.com and that's Craig with a K so um, put the links and stuff on that somewhere but, or, or you can get a hold of Niles Blanc I have a Twitter uh, Instagram and also a Facebook page and, and they're all at Niles Blanc so that's an easy way to get a hold of him to book Niles Blanc anywhere you'd like to have I mentioned earlier, you've been all over the place lately, and we've touched on MSW uh, in August in Springfield, Missouri. What else do you got coming up? Oh, gosh, I got I got all kinds of stuff coming up. So this, uh, this Friday, I'm in uh, Des Moines for 3X Wrestling, another company I've been with since the beginning. This is their 14th year anniversary, and I just happen to be – well, I don't. Niles Plonquet just happens to be their heavyweight champion, and he's going to have a – title defense there at their 14th anniversary show. So I'm really excited about that. Um, who are you facing? Um, it's a winner of whoever battle Royal. And there may be a surprise in there ah. too. So you might look at the card and put some things together and you'll probably figure it out. But um, if not, anybody who wants to know, just have to show up and buy a ticket because it's going to be pretty cool. Um, Saturday I'm in, uh, St. Joseph, Missouri, there's uh, New Breed Wrestling is running shows all weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at the Kansas City 
Crypticon, which is like uh, the Comic Con for horror movies. And they run in St. Joe at the Civic Arena. So there'll be some matches there. So I'm wrestling in Saturday afternoon in St. Joe. Then I'm hopping in the car, probably still in my gear, and driving three hours to Salina, Kansas for uh, XWE in Salina, Kansas to do a show there. So, and then back Sunday to do the Crypticon again at two. So I'm, I have a busy weekend this weekend, but uh, I just did a, a bunch of dates in uh, Dallas this last week. I wrestled five or six times in the last, you know, eight or nine days. So I'm, uh, I'm happy to have like this little couple days off to get caught back up here at the winery. And now I'm going to do a couple shows close to home, uh, which is nice. Nothing within, nothing more than three hour drive this weekend which is great and then uh then the next week i do a, another big long drive and tour so well niles uh you know you can uh, we talked about the windy wine company but also for those niles planquet fans um there's an opportunity that they can get some Niles Planquet uh, merchandise as Absolutely. well online, um, isn't there? On com, you can get the Niles Planquet uh, logo t-shirt. And um, it's it's my standard logo t-shirt, but they come in a couple different colors I have on there. Um, <clears throat> my favorite's the maroon shirt because it's wine color. It's wine. So I like <laughs> it. <laughs> well, does Niles Plunkett have any special messages for anyone out there that you might be uh, dealing with soon? Oh, Niles Plunkett, uh, of course, is a connoisseur. So Niles Plunkett would tell any of the two buck chucks that want to learn a little bit of class and sophistication that I'll be happy to teach them. And whenever I teach them, I'll be more than happy to stomp it into them. So cheers to whoever wants to step in the ring with the connoisseur and learn a little culture class. Well, you know, back during the Attitude Era, I'd always say you could smell what The Rock is cooking, but now we could definitely smell what Niles Planquet is fermenting. That's and, uh, right. He's, he's bringing uh, it. He's fermenting, and he's certainly worthy of the people's cheers. So, Well, man, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Uh, like I said, we got to see you in action back in summer. Uh, you did great. You got it put together. I know you've been on 205 Live, and I would not be surprised for those listening that you would not see him again in the future on TV. Remember the name, Plonkay. That's Plonkay, not Plonk. That's right, Plonkay. Thank you guys so much for your kind words and for, for doing this. I really appreciate it. As a wrestler in the industry, I appreciate what you guys do for us. So thank you guys. Hey, yo, it's survey time. Surveys, uh, uh, how would you rate Raw? Twitter, 13% said good, 15% fair, Who was the, the 13% that said good? Said what in the world were they watching? Uh, Facebook. Fi- uh, oh Facebook, 56% gave it a thumbs up and 44% a thumbs down. Matt Walker on Matt Walker on Facebook said it, they seem to be moving in the right direction. Uh, SmackDown. Twitter, 62% good, 29% fair, 10% average, and 0% poor. Facebook, 78% thumbs up, 22% thumbs down. 
Mark Rustin on Facebook says, when KO stunned Shane, am I the only one who thought? Hmm, I think he Austin said Vince exactly what we're all thinking. It's They keep trying to find that well, formula I, that they used, you know, in the uh, Attitude Era. But the crowd's just not getting behind it. I mean, it's just not working right now. Yeah, SmackDown was better, but hey, I am pumped because we are very shortly, everything is going to be better than ever because Eric Bischoff, he's going to be back, and I am pumped up. I'm ready for it. A lot of people looking forward to Extreme Rules this weekend. I'm looking more forward to I think those might be the first two shows where we start seeing some of the influence uh, of the, uh, the new executive vice presidents of the WWE. That doesn't work for me, brother. That doesn't work for me, brother. If I say that didn't work for me, brother, that means it didn't work for me. Uh, that don't work for me, brother. Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch versus Andrade and Zelina. Again, this uh, elimination intergender tag thing didn't make much sense to me. They didn't explain uh, I'll how tell it you what don't work. work for me, brother. That don't work yeah, for me, brother. It's got to be the same thing. I, uh, Lynch and Rollins... Uh, them trying to recreate Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Grey. That just don't work for me, brother. There's only one Patrick Swayze. <laughs> to me, it was like watching Chris Farley on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> that don't work for me, brother. I would have had Will Ospreay go over Lance Archer in the first round of the G1 Climax Saturday Night. You think they put Archer over because they were in Dallas? Uh, possibly, and I was surprised because if I was a betting man, and I am, and with the momentum that Will Ospreay has, I, I was surprised that, that he went down. The good. The bad. The ugly. Good, bad, and ugly, my good. The Kevin Owens promo. Uh, you said it earlier, Dave. He said exactly what many fans have been saying for months. Uh, many question if there was some Eric Bischoff influence on this because, uh, you know, Paul's a little more edgier. Eric's are more a little more realistic, and and that was real. It felt real, but I don't think it. Uh, I don't think Bischoff had much to do with that. I don't think we'll see much of him for another week or two. But that was my good. The Kevin Owens promo. Well, actually, my good is going to be the interview that we just did with Niles Planquet. You got to check it out here on the Slop Drop. Uh, really enjoyed visiting with uh, Niles Planquet and learning a little bit about class and sophistication. And like I said earlier, you you know, I don't just smell what The Rock is cooking. I smell what Niles Planquet is fermenting. The good is going to be Impact Slammiversary. Like I said, they really ele- elevated themselves and they set the bar, and I think good things are coming. R-Dub just made a lot of our listeners happy. We have some hardcore Impact fans. Uh, my, well, maybe they could follow me on Twitter. At R-W Hardy. <clears throat> my bad. This Mike and Maria Canellis, who's the baby's daddy angle. I'm glad they're getting some TV time. I don't like this angle. Hey, it's funny. I would actually agree with that. That's the bad. I, I don't know why I keep having flashbacks 
to uh, Mark Henry and uh, a certain man being born. May yeah. Young. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't know if I'm going to call that my my bad exactly. I I'm like you. I'm glad that they're getting some TV time. I'm glad that there's a an angle involved. I don't think it's really the most intelligent angle that they could put them with with the amount of talent that Mike has. However, I don't think this is like a legitimate attempt to bury him because they they had their chance to get rid of him if if they wanted to. They just re-signed the big contract. They're making some good money. I think they're happy to just be part of the team, and they're going to do whatever they're told to do. So I I think that this thing will probably die fairly quickly, and they'll move on to something else. Uh, My ugly is Enzo and Joey Janela's quote-unquote fight. Again, if this was a legit fight, I think Enzo could take Janela. I'm like you, R-Dub. I'm not necessarily a fan of either one of those guys, but uh, I don't understand it. I don't know if this was a work or if it was legit, but what would be in it for Janela? He just signed you know, a thing with AEW. It's lose-lose for him. And another poor attempt by Enzo to get back into relevancy. Guy's actually very talented. He doesn't need to do this crap. It's only hurting him. Nobody's going to want to sign him. Yeah, I would say my ugly this week is Super Shane's sweaty forehead it's been it's been really uh humid down here in arkansas with all the rain and stuff and i've been working on my deck and i've been getting super sweaty and even after working on my deck for like three hours having my body completely drenched in sweat i still can't compete with super shane's sweaty forehead so since you already mentioned your ugly being the joey janela enzo altercation Here's my ugly, and I don't know how long this clip has been going around, but have you guys seen or heard of this superhuman with two M's kid <laughs> that did like a f- off of a couple milk crates onto some barbed wire and, and some boards and, and thumbtacks and God knows what else? I'm familiar with superhuman. We almost had him on as a guest. It didn't work out. I'm not a fan of the things he does. I think it's stupid, and the kid's going to kill himself if he doesn't watch it. Kid, if you're listening, from somebody that hasn't been around all that long, but I did go to a legit wrestling school, and I've had matches in front of people, not in my backyard, go about this the right way. Speaking of wrestling training, R-Dub, I believe you recently attended a seminar with the one and only WWE Hall of Famer, former rock and roll, actually still current rock and roll express, Ricky Morton. Yeah, it was a great time. It was in Sedalia, Missouri two weeks ago. New Breed Wrestling had an event, so they put on the seminar a couple hours before their event. It was about a it was about a two hour block. Ricky spent the first hour kind of talking through some stuff, going over his philosophies in wrestling, his, his do's and don'ts, and just his outlook on the business as a whole. And then the last hour he critiqued us as far as doing some stuff in the ring and everything. I, I loved every second of it. I appreciated his time. And I've said this once, and I've said this a hundred times. Whenever people ask how long will the buck stay young, my response is not even half as time, half as long as what the rock and roll express will stay rock and roll. Man, what an awesome experience that must have been. Uh by the way, I'm actually doing a show in Corning, Arkansas on August third, and the Rock and Roll Express are in fact booked. I don't know where Corning, Arkansas is, but we may have to check that out on August the 3rd. 
It's a little south of Poplar Bluff where I grew okay. up. What else does uh, R.W. Hardy got going on? This is going to be a huge week because I am booked at Crypticon Kansas City 2019, St. Joe, Missouri. Myself, the outlaw hair, Bennett James, we're tagging up against, I believe they're called the Dazzle Crew, a couple kids from Kansas City. I've never heard of them. I'm sure they got some talent and ability because they wouldn't have been booked if they weren't. However, they're about, they're about to meet the baddest outlaws in Missouri, and I'm looking forward to it. Me and Bennett James, this is our first time tagging together, but we're old friends. We know each other very well, and these two kids are going down. You have to keep us updated on that. You guys got anything else? Uh, just hashtag Super Shane Sweaty Forehead. <laughs> Sweaty McMahon. (laughs) I think that about wraps it up. Until next time, thank you for listening. We're out of here. Liv Morgan, call me. Goodbye and good night.